0: I also was just thinking, before I get into the text today, that this is our sixth Sunday service this year, so we've been going in a sense six weeks of Sunday services and as a ministry, and I'd just like to ask you, as, as here today, um, what do we feel like we've learned so far? Because you know, we're, I feel like we're learning rapidly as we go along, You know, there's lots we're learning as we're now functioning in this way, uh, I was just interested, what do we feel we've learned so far, anything that stands out? Lessons personally, spiritually, uh, in any sense as a, uh, as a, for us as a group, uh, on, for yourself individually? Um, anything stand out? Teamwork. Mm. Teamwork. Being in tune with one another. With one another. Mm. Yeah, we need that and it's growing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Anything else? Teamwork's a big one, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we get, for example, we get here... And you really can't have fellowship with anybody because everybody's <laughs> running around doing something. Right? We can talk later. Let's <laughs> get everything organised and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, anything else? I feel, I feel else? like getting to know the children better in kids' kingdom. Getting to know the children. class. Feel. I feel. I, I, feel yeah. I look forward. Sorry, but I look forward to doing kids' <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I like being with the children outside. And it's intimate and it's nice and it's uh, it's fun. You know, yeah. Before we just perched it and There was a crowd. <laughs> there was a crowd, and now it's more of an intimate group, and you can get to know the kids better. Yeah. That's yeah. It's nowhere, you know Beth and uh, Bethany and yeah. Layla. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's great. Anything yeah. else? I feel like the, the the heart to look out for each other um is has really grown. You know. Just really? and shared something on a WhatsApp group this week and, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody really responded to that and, you know, just even if it's, has anyone got paper plates I need them for kids' class today, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. I just feel like there is a real heart to come and look out for each other that's really Mm -hmm. grown I think that's true, I think there's more communication overall, generally Excellent, anything else? Learning to bring warm clothing. (laughs) Several layers. Penny has the hot water bottle. Unless you're unless you're really hard like Barry, who only needs a shirt. um, No shorts. Okay. I mean, there's lots of things. I've I've learned to appreciate the work that goes into worshipping as well in terms of preparation. and Preparing a song service and that kind of thing. The amount that goes into it. Yeah. I I think we're learning a lot. and, And we're going to continue learning a lot. Partly because it's still early days and partly because God's always teaching us lessons. So I'm very excited about what we've already learned. And what I'd like to do today, as I, as I looked at the passage that's next in our series in Luke, is I thought God's been teaching us many things. It's very exciting. Let's not lose sight of the significance of prayer. And I've called it the Jesus prayer, which is a whole other topic, really. Is there's a thing called the Jesus prayer, but I'm not going to talk about the thing, the Jesus prayer, but just just what we see about prayer here from Jesus' own life and his own heart, his own understanding of what his needs were and how that might affect some of the things that we've got going on in our lives. So let's have a look here in Luke 6 and verse 12 to verse 19. And it says this. One of those days, Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him healing them all. We'll stop there and carry on with the passage in our next class we have. But prayer, the prayer of Jesus here, we see some interesting things. We see in the Gospel of Luke, Luke is one of the Gospel writers that uh, amongst all the four of them, he emphasizes the prayer life of Jesus more than any of the other Gospel writers. And there's some references to Jesus praying or teaching on prayer. But well, in fact, I think they're all instances of him praying. It's an interesting emphasis that Luke has. And I think it's partly there, at least, to remind us of how important prayer is for us, too, if it's important for Jesus. Let me um, ask you this. let uh, see what we think. If, God, if Jesus is God in the flesh, why does he need to pray? And why does he need to pray about the decision he's making here, about who, of the bigger crowd of disciples, who is he going to select to be his apostles? Why, why if he's God in the flesh... Deity here on earth. Why would he need to pray about this? What do you think? Well, he's talking to his father, isn't he? He's, it's, it's a family discussion. I mean, I, I know that when I when I've got a decision to make, uh-huh. I like talking to Sarah you know, uh-huh. about it. You know, so, <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, want to comment on it? That, you know? No, that's right. It's nice to it's it, a family decision. Okay, yeah. Good. Anything else? Why doesn't he? He knows his, these guys have been with him for a while. Why? Do, he must know by now. Surely he knows who's to be the, the apostles, right, fellows, It's you and you. Why go off up a mountain and pray? Because he still is fully human, even though he's gone in the flesh, He uh-huh. is. He is human. He is and human. He, and he's still—it's hard to describe. But because he is fully human, he, he, he still needs to communicate in the way we do. Communicates with God in the same <coughs> way we do, because he's still he is fully human. Good point. Yeah, Excellent. I? I was thinking, again, the scope of Philippians, which is he couldn't grasp the fact that he is equality with God. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it indicates an mm-hmm. incredible complete humility. As in, of course I won't make a decision of myself, of course I'll pray As if there's no question in his mind mm. that he's going to pray at my yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't hold on to that equality. He let go of it. So, therefore, He's showing us and, and living out an indep- a dependence upon God, a true humility. That's a really good point. Uh, Joe, you had something? Um, basically, just that Jesus was uh, knowingly, maybe, setting an example for us. Knowing that we would read the Scriptures, knowing that we would look at His actions, look at how He prayed and how He would uh, be still, and be encouraged um, because for us when we are still uh, whether we are in, a, in our room or in the woods we go to the mountain to be refreshed uh, to spend time with God we can't stay on the mountain we have to come down the mountain and face the world but it's going up the mountain spending time with God yeah. just like Jesus went up the mountain we have to go up, the, up to the mountain sometimes yeah, metaphorically absolutely good, yeah maybe when he went up the mountain he had a list of- 30 in his head, mm. and he knew he had to narrow it down, right. yeah. maybe he was wrestling knowing that one of them was going to betray him. Maybe he had to prepare himself yeah. for that too, mm. very good point. Um, since he came down and chose 12, but it doesn't say how he reached that decision, And maybe that was what he worked through. Worked through while he was up on the mountain. Yeah. Back Something. I was just thinking, um, maybe he already had an idea, but he was just checking that his idea was in line with God's. Right. That his will was in line with God's will. Making sure he wasn't just um, uh, thinking independently in that way. Yeah. And Sarah, did you have something? I was just thinking in in terms of sometimes you are choosing because these these disciples went on to build the church and things, and sometimes. Choosing people don't necessarily know all their qualities, um, yeah. and yet God knows us through and through And so yeah. uh, He needed that confirmation almost to say, you know, that, you know, these characters may not He may even thought actually so these characters are a bit difficult. i Don't know whether they're going to be any help whatsoever. You know, so you know <laughs> to have that sort of talk about actually, you know, we need to use that. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, all I th- I think all of these things we're talking about are relevant. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why Jesus had to pray, but clearly he felt he needed to. I don't think you'd go up on a mountain to pray and then come down and make this decision and it'd be recorded in this way unless God's trying to show us something about the significance of prayer, even when we think we know what is right. I mean, I suspect Jesus was pretty sure who, I suspect, my opinion, he was pretty sure who he was going to be, I think. Um, remember, Jesus had rare insight into people. Uh, it says several times in the Gospels that he knew what people were thinking. Right, so this is not Jesus is not someone who didn't have that kind of insight and know what people are thinking. He knew them very deeply uh, in a way that better than we would know somebody, I think. But he still went to pray. So we're going to talk about three things from this today that come from I think are in this passage might be helpful to us. I hope so. One is about praying to choose when we have a choice to make. How do we pray? Do we pray? In what way do we pray? How do we think about the significance of what we're praying about when we have a big decision to make? A new job, whether to marry someone, how many children we'd like to have, where we'd like to live, um, who are, you know, how, how we're going to, uh, to organise our lives, and all, all the big things that, uh, that come up, and, and they do come up quite frequently, don't they? Uh, there always seems to be another big decision just, just round the corner or we know it's coming. How do we pray about it? What do we do about it? Praying to choose. So he chooses 12. Oh, by the way, why 12? Why do you think he chooses 12? It's a round number. It's a round number? Well, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Uh, I'm not a mathematician, but uh, it's an interesting number. 12? 12 tribes. Customary? 12 tribes, maybe? Okay. If it's 12 tribes, it would be metaphorical for him In what sense? Jacob or Israel. Jacob, Israel had 12 sons. That's Israel. So this is a new, new Israel. New. Okay, a new Israel. In fact, Israel as it was meant to be, as opposed to Israel as it happened, all the 12 sons squabbling and all that kind of thing that went on. Okay, we've got 12 um, sons, therefore 12 tribes. We've got other 12s in the Old Testament. A couple more, anybody know? Two more 12s that came to my mind. Okay, there's one lot of 12 where the minority were faithful. A small minority of the 12. When they. Jer- Spies, Spies. Yeah. okay. Spies who went into the Promised Land, right? So now we have hopefully 12 people who are going to be faithful going into the Promised Land in the sense of the New Covenant and the church as opposed to the Old Covenant, right? So you've got that illusion, I think, there. And then you've got when they when Israel crossed from uh, went across the Jordan. Remember what happened after they crossed all the Jordan? They, the, 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 the priests were in the middle, the people crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land, and then afterwards, remember what happened? Stones. They took stones, they took stones. stones from the bed of the river that had been stopped up so they could cross. They took twelve <coughs> stones and put them as a monument in the Promised Land to remind themselves of what God had done and the, and the great covenant they had with God. So you've got You've got all these illusions here, I think, wrapped up. You know, the, as soon as you pick the number 12, if you're uh, in, in Jewish culture, in that time, uh, it means a lot to you. It's hugely symbolic. and it, But it's not just symbolic, it actually has meaning. Very important. God is with us. Covenant. God's miracles. God, God's provision. God's choosing. And so he chooses... Uh, these twelve. And the other thing, one other allusion I'll give you that I think is perhaps significant, is that as Moses went up the mountain to receive the covenant, to, to have this new covenant, with this old covenant with God, but the covenant with Israel, between God and Israel. In Exodus 24, it says that he set up twelve pillars. Uh, in Exodus 24, he set up twelve pillars corresponding to the twelve tribes of Israel. So you've got this, these twelve pillars standing there. Uh, it's the, the giving of the law, um, and now we have 12 apostles, messengers, ready to be sent into the promised land. So there's, an, there's an exodus kind of thing, a new exodus, uh, leaving darkness, coming out of darkness and into light, leaving uh, the old world and coming into the new, leaving the, the letter of the law and coming into the era of grace. We've got lots of allusions here. So some of this is what's going on. The connection between the 12 disciples and the 12 tribes of Israel is made explicit in Luke 22 uh, which I haven't put on the screen. But in Luke 22 (coughs) let's just read this. The connection here is made clearer. In Luke 22 and verse 28 it says this You are those who have stood by me in my trials and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And they're gonna have this role. I mean, that sounds a bit scary to me. I don't quite understand all of what that means, but that's okay. We'll eventually get to Luke 22 and actually only through Luke, and we'll find out what, more of what that means then. But there's very strong connections here. I, I'd like to encourage us as we think about how Jesus needed to pray before making this important decision that had centred, millennia of history. There are, this is about millennia of history being shaped and, and coming into a new era. As he prayed about that, I, I, I wonder how much we understand the significance of prayer in terms of our decisions. Decisions that we need to make. Decisions where we need insight, where we need God's wisdom, we need God's perspective, we need God to help us to check our motives. Why, why do I want this as opposed to this? And, and making sure as we go into a prayer time with God that we, we, we want to do this, but praying about have we really surrendered to the fact that God may say, actually, no, this isn't the best thing. Are we really praying to listen rather than just tell God? what we're thinking, what we want. But are we going into a time of prayer saying, God, here's what's on my heart, but I'm ready to listen. And whatever way God chooses then to communicate, and God can communicate to us in many different, many different ways. Prayer is so important. We, We really do need to be a prayerful congregation. Whether it's praying here or praying at home, or praying when we meet up on other occasions or just when we hang out you know it's fun to hang out but maybe there could be a bit of prayer time connected with our hangout times it's good to talk I mean I know we love to talk and and one of the things I really appreciate about being in this group is how much we talk about our hearts and our feelings and our thinking and we do really talk on that level it's excellent but maybe making sure we also pray and not just talk and be Together, it seems to me so important. If Jesus, if Jesus was devoted to prayer, even over decisions that I reckon He knew what to do, yeah. and how much more we need to pray. <coughs> Let's make sure we pray as and before we choose what we're there to do. The second thing I, I see in this passage is, um, and this is an allusion rather than a specific thing, but it's uh, re- reacting to somebody. Somebody mentioned Judas over here. And I I do wonder whether, you know, on that mountain, Jesus had to pray specifically to be able to trust. I think it's praying to choose, and then there's praying to trust. Imagine, he knew in people's hearts, he knew who Judas was. There's another passage, uh, which I don't have the reference to here, John 6, that's right, John 6, it says that Jesus knew what Judas was all about from the beginning. So he knows from the beginning where this is going. Imagine, Imagine choosing someone who's going to be a traitor. I mean, it says Judas became in here. It says, became a traitor. So it seems like he was loyal to begin with. But Jesus still knew that that was where it was going to end up. No. Imagine we put this ministry together and we pray, and God reveals to us that, um, well, I won't pick on anybody here. I'd be, I mean, be too nasty. But let's just say, you know, there was a, someone called uh, Jim. There's no Jim. No, okay, so someone called James. Someone called Jim. And we all knew that he was going to be a, you know, persecute us and betray us and gossip about the things we shared in confidence and slander us. And if we knew that from the beginning, would we choose that person to be part of this ministry? I don't think we would. But Jesus was able to see the hand of God even in this. And because of his prayer, I believe, he was able to then trust that even that could be used to God's glory. Which it in fact was, even though it was kind of a terrible thing. I I raise this because I think in a ministry like this as we are a relatively small group the chances of us offending one another are very high if you have 200 people you, you know, you might offend somebody but then there's another 199 you haven't offended and then that one person doesn't seem to be quite so significant, maybe it should but it doesn't, whereas if we've got 20 of us, then if you offend one person, that's Five uh, percent of the whole group, and if you offend two people, that's ten percent of the whole group. Is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do my maths here. So then, it's really hard to have good fellowship and get on, right? So we're likely to offend one another here, and appreciate what Charlie shared in the communion about that. We've got to get good at forgiving, and we've got to get good at trusting that God has a good plan, even even when we we hurt one another. I um, I was reflecting on this when I was. Reading this passage and preparing this this week, in particular in my relationship with Tim Dannett. And most of you know Tim. And uh, Tim and Chevy are great. They lead the church down in Thames Valley where I'm also working, as you know. And uh, we've known them for, well, I, I've, I've known Tim since before I was baptized. And in, in, uh, he was in the church before me, and I met him then over 31 years ago. And uh, he was there at my baptism um, in 1984. And he was there on the night, on the night of my baptism, I then went and did some Bible study afterwards because I had some questions about the Holy Spirit. So I sat up late that night with Doug Jacoby, doing Bible studies on the Holy Spirit. Tim and Archie were, were there, um, and Tim stayed awake and Archie fell asleep, uh, which I never tired of reminding him. And, uh, but anyway, they were there. You know, Tim was there, and I've known Tim forever, and, uh, and then we, were, we were different ministries for many years and weren't close. And then in the 90s, we became very close, the four of us, Penny and I, Tim and Shirley. We were like very close, best buddies. And then again, ministries, life, and that drifted apart. And then, um, although we kept in touch, we were close. And then sometime in the 2000s, um, we, had some, we had some difficult interactions. And in fact, we had in one particular, one really difficult argument. We had an argument in a pizza, exp- no, not pizza express that place. Anyway, it's like a deli in Gerard's Cross. And we sat there and and Penny and Chevy went off to some other table because they left me and Tim to it because we were like having this real difficult talk. And we had a real argument and we really disagreed about something we both felt very strongly about. And after that, we didn't really talk for quite a long time. It was just so painful. And uh, I still kind of, I think we both loved each other but we just couldn't really, you know, it was very difficult. And, and then, about two years ago, for some reason, God started bringing us back together and we were having more conversations, and then we ended up talking about all that stuff. And uh, it all got healed. And now I end up, as you know, working down there in Thames Valley and Tim and I are best friends, and we feel like we're inseparable. And I think it's good to, to understand and acknowledge that relationships sometimes do go through phases that may not always be the same. Always have the same depth, the same strength, the same intimacy. And that's, it's okay. As long as you're not holding on to a grudge and bitterness, it's okay to let relationships have phases. But we need to trust God that if relationships aren't always the way we'd like them to be, God's enough. God had to be enough for Jesus. He had to pray about this, I think. He had to be ready for three years of knowing that Judas was going to betray. And then actually have that happen. How painful that must have been. To love someone that way. And I don't know that we'll have someone quite like a Judas in our lives. I hope that doesn't happen to you. But we do have relationships that go up and down. And that have difficult times in them. I think as a congregation we need to pray about that. We need to pray to trust God. That even when we have those times it's going to be okay. God will give us the strength that we need, just like I'm sure God gave Jesus the strength he needed to handle uh, this very significant uh, difficulty. And thirdly lastly, um, we pray to choose like Jesus, we pray to trust God like Jesus I think does here. And then I think it's okay to pray for some power, to pray for some strength. Uh, again, it doesn't say explicitly in this passage. I'm not going to claim that, but after this time of prayer and choosing, he goes down to the level place, and this crowd come, large crowd, from well, everywhere, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, the coastal regions, everywhere. They come to hear him and to be healed. Mm-hmm. Why? Because power was coming from him. Now, I think Jesus always had the healing power, but it seems to me interesting that we have this reference to his power at the time after he's been praying on the mountain. Jesus was full of power. Uh, The Bible tells us a lot about his power. Let me give you some references here. Um, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Why mention the power of the Spirit? There must be a... Luke is trying to tell us something. God's trying to tell us something. Because he'd just been in the wilderness. um, So Jesus often went off to the wilderness, uh, to the mountains, places like that, to pray. And he came back with power. Uh, In Luke 4, all the people were amazed and said... Uh, what authority, what power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. That's just after he's been out in the wilderness praying. And then we have our reference here uh, in Luke, sorry, Luke 5, the chapter before, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. We have this reference in Luke 6 and then Luke 8. Jesus says, someone touched me, I know that power has gone out from me. There's something going on here. He's got this power and it's being used by God, or for God, by Jesus. And uh, and I think there's a connection there with with the prayer. It gives him the strength, or it it gives him an extra measure of strength to be able to be like this with the crowds, not just one person. I get exhausted after talking to somebody for an hour. I mean, what it must have been like with Jesus to have the crowds and all the time they're touching him and power is going out from him, which means surely it needs to be replenished in some way or other. But then Jesus also passed on this power to his apostles And uh, we see a few references here in uh, Luke. He called the twelve together, gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. There's something he's passing on. Uh, Luke 10. I've given you you authority to trample on snakes, overcome all the power of the enemy. So the power that we have, his disciples have, the apostles have, is enough power to defeat the enemy. Jesus of Nazareth. This is the road to Emmaus. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Word and deed. Uh, Like it says in Luke 6, people come to hear him and to be healed. Mm -hmm. Powerful in word and in deed. And then uh, at the end of Luke 24 there, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power. From on high, referring there to Pentecost. ...to Acts 2, presumably. Uh, There's there's some thread of power in Jesus... ...but also in his followers going on here. Do we have the same power? Yeah, we have the same power... ...because we have the Spirit. Uh, Does God necessarily give us the same authority... ...to heal and cast out demons... ...that he did and his disciples did in the first century? Uh, Maybe not directly in the same way. But we have the same power... ...because we have the same Spirit... And I I think it's important for us as a church, and I know it's important for me to think about this, but surely it's also important for us as a church to understand that our power comes from God and that prayer is one of the places we get connection with that power. The power is deposited in us. We have the Holy Spirit, but that power can, can reside within us without necessarily having much impact on the people around us or even in our own lives unless we're connected with what God is doing and how he will use that power in our lives. How is God going to do that? I think part of how God is going to use his power in our lives is revealed, by the way, by, by praying, by being with God in prayer. Are you praying for God to be powerful in you? There's a difference between praying, God, just um, keep me sane and and keep me faithful, amen. I mean, that sometimes that's all we can pray, I know, I know. <laughs> But then then there are days when that's taken care of, and then we can say, God, a, I am sane, and I think I can get it through today. Okay. Now, could you give me, could you give me insight, a vision as to what else your power could do in me? What else your power could do through me. So that people can come to you to hear about you and to be healed. What could, what could you do, God? Praying that next level, if you like. Of prayer, that what could God do through us with his power. So three things in Jesus here with his prayer that either are taught or I think implied, certainly demonstrated praying to choose. Have you got any big decisions coming up? To be restored to the fellowship, to be baptized into Christ, to move, to change some things, to, I don't know, you must know yourself, what if you've got any big things to decide about, then Maybe praying up a mountain would be good. Maybe praying, whether it's a metaphorical or a literal mountain. Um, I'm going to Dunstable tomorrow. I've got some decisions to make, uh, actually, which I can't share with you today because of confidentiality things. And I'll share with you when that's resolved. Uh, But positive decisions, positive stuff, very positive. I'm very excited about it. But I'll (laughs) share that with you another time. I can't today. At least not on the recording. (laughs) <laughs> so I could cut it. No, it's still confidential. I can't, okay. <laughs> so, okay. But I'm going to go to Dunstable Downs. I'm going to go to Dunstable Downs, which as many of you know is my favorite place to go and pray about these, this kind of stuff. And it's very poignant for me to go there because, uh, as I'm sure you all know, it's my birthday today. So um, it's great go to go to Dunstable Downs because at, with, I could, was within sight of where I was born. And From there I can see Luton, which is where I was born 55 years ago today. Somebody needs to say, you don't look it. No. No, no, no. Come on, people. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) I'm looking forward to going there to pray about that and about these decisions. Do you have some decisions to make? Secondly, what about praying to trust? Do you have some relationship challenges? Do you pray about God? Let me have a good heart, an open heart, a trusting heart. It'll be okay in the end. Thirdly, praying for power. Praying for power. One last thing to share, and then uh, we'll we'll conclude. You know, last year as we were doing our planning for uh, getting all this together, we talked about at some point having an official big launch service. Mm -hmm. So we're meeting, having a great time. But it'd be great to have like a big thing where we invite tons of people, tell everybody, and have a big thing, right? And we haven't picked a date. We haven't picked a date because, basically, I couldn't make my mind up. So uh, I prayed to choose. And uh, so here's my suggestion as that we go for May the 8th. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it's not a convenient date, let me know and we'll shift it. But I looked at the calendar and what's happening around that time of year. And it seems to me I can't see anything else that could get in the way. But If you're going to be on holiday, just let me know and we'll move it. because We really want everybody to be here, obviously. And it's far enough off go, A, organized, B, tell all our friends, and C, pray mm. a lot about it. Yeah. And what I'd like is prayer ideas. Creative, innovative, different kind of prayer ideas. You know, maybe we could do some of the tr- traditional things like prayer and fasting and all that prayer maybe, but what about some other ideas for how we could pray specifically and powerfully about this so that God will do some amazing things things. So let me leave that with you as a thought and something to pray about and ideas to pray about and ideas to, to share with one another about how we can pray about that special event. Jesus' prayer is amazing. His prayer life is incredible. Jesus' is amazing. Let's just face that. Pray to choose, pray to trust and pray for that power. to God bless the glory. Amen. Amen.